What up, world? Welcome to a special bonus episode of the RJO Show. I am your humble host, RJO Cho, a staff writer at InsideTheStar.com, your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis across the web. Also the host of Ocho Live, the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option, which you can watch on Twitter, Periscope, or the Inside the Star Facebook live feed. The RJO Show is presented to you by Slant Sports audibles and we are here in this special bonus episode to talk some cowboys we have a lot of cowboys listeners obviously a lot of cowboys ties with our inside the star connections and i wanted to really go inside the star to talk about the cowboys in this particular subject so i roped in two of my pals we have in one corner and that'll be pertinent in a second staff writer jess haney who you can and you should follow on twitter at cowboys addicts how you doing jess good man how are you I am doing well. I am very excited. There's going to be a lot of energy in this episode, I think, and um, I know you. Uh, I know you'll bring it. I believe in you. I, I believe in you in everything in life, though, not just well, this. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm I'm very passionate about my candidate. Good, good. And uh, in the other corner, um, on the other side here, the other party, if you want to take it to a literal, um, you know, literal degree, the other staff writer. This is a trio of staff writers, a tripod of excellence. Staff writer from InsideTheStar.com. Sean Martin, who you can and should follow on Twitter at Shore Sports NJ. Mr. Martin, how are you tonight? I'm doing wonderful. I've walked myself here in uh, one of the study rooms at Montclair State University, and I'm ready to study what's the best uh, option for the Cowboys at quarterback. We'll find out what side Jess and I are on well, moving forward into this debate. It's going to be a lot of fun, so I'm doing good, and I'm excited. Well, so you both sort of hinted at why we're here tonight in this special bonus episode. This, uh, this episode will air or will be posted, I should say, on Wednesday, October 19th. If you're a fan of the TV show Community, you know that October 19th is a special day. If either one of you are, a thousand points to you. But if not, a negative thousand points to you. So that's fine. So I'm going to assume we're both starting out negative. At least I am. What about you, Jess? I'm embarrassed to say I'm a fan of Community, and I don't know what that means. Well, October 19th is important, and you don't deserve to know since you didn't uh, you didn't know. <laughs> so whatever. We'll get to it later. We'll do it on, a, on the next bonus episode. The next, next RJO show bonus is all about community. But, uh, but we are here to discuss probably the most hottest debated thing in sports today. And that's why today makes sense because it is the final presidential debate. I know we have some, some international listeners. So uh, we're talking about our president, uh, the leader of your country. We don't care about. We care about ours. We're the best America, number one. And we're here to talk about America's team and the leader of that team. Should it be... Tony Romo or Dak Prescott. We have people here uh, on both sides of this debate. I'm I'm a bit more of an objective-minded person. I have my feelings. We'll get into them later. But I'm going to serve as the Chris Wallace of this debate. I'm going to serve as the moderator, uh, the you know person who sort of keeps things in check. We don't have a Ken Bone in the audience, but we're looking for one. If you know anybody, let us know. We'll be sure and get him here. But I will set the floor, set the stage, I should say, for some opening statements. And, Sean, I'll allow you to go first since we're going to go based off seniority. And even though Jess is your senior, the candidate that you are backing is the senior candidate. So, Sean, who should be the leader of the free world of the NFL, which is the Dallas Cowboys? All right, thanks a lot, OJ. Um, you know, what you said there is really part of the case that I want to make throughout the night, not just in this opening statement, but as we get into a back and forth with Jess, who's going to make a great case for Dak Prescott. My case is for none other than Tony Romo, the veteran quarterback that is 15 and 4 if you date all the way back to 2014. Of course, you know, just mentioning the 2014 season does wonderful things for Cowboys fans everywhere 
when we think about a 12 and 4 year and it took us all the way to the playoffs as the NFC East winner took us to what should have been the NFC Championship game we all know but a divisional road game that we were in at Lambeau Field mostly because of how good Tony Romo is and how good this offense was uh, especially you know, being able to run the ball what they were able to do going in there and believing that they could win because they had this elite quarterback and elite offensive line and elite running back Obviously, right now, they have a pretty elite running back that everybody in the world is buzzing about. That would be Ezekiel Elliott. The offensive line is probably even better than it was in 2014, and they're you know, on track to be here for a long time. The only question mark that we have to work out tonight and moving forward is that quarterback spot. In my opinion, it's a pretty easy thing to work out. Go back to the guy who won games in 2014, who won games in 2015. You only won four games, or most of those were because of Romo. You only won one that was started by the other guys. You've won five this season that were started by you know non-Tony Romo uh, quarterbacks, that guy being, in, the, in each game, Dak Prescott. But that's all that Dak Prescott has is those games. Tony Romo has 2015, 2014, and almost a decade of work before that, proving that you know he's an elite quarterback, and he's the quarterback of America's team that – we need to continue to see as the quarterback of America's team when he's indeed ready to assume that role once again, which is going to be in a few short weeks here. Well, so this is a compelling case. I think I think the case for both of these guys sort of makes itself. You know, if you factor in the playoff, um, you know, games, obviously in 2014, Tony Romo's, you know, legitimacy shouldn't be questioned. And we're not here, by the way, not that you did, but to dog either one of these candidates. You know, this seems to be... Um, something that's misconstrued by a lot of members of Cowboys Nation. It's okay, I promise. You can like both Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. It, there's no rules against that. Right. Um, but, you know, for me, in terms of your case, and we'll get to Jess here in a second, I, I'm just of the belief that all things equal. You talked about that elite offensive line. You talked about Zeke Elliott. You talked about all these other things. All things equal. I'd rather have the better quarterback. And personally, you know, I'll say now before we hand this over to Jess, I believe the best quarterback, when all things are looked at in a vacuum, when Tony Romo's healthy, he's the better guy. So, Jess, you're on on Team Dak here. Um, What's your case? Why do you think that when all things are equal, when Tony Romo is healthy? Because that's really what this debate centers around. It's not should Dak Prescott start start over and injure Tony Romo. It's when he comes back, Dak is more deserving. Why is that so in your opinion? Well, I want to reiterate a point you just made. Being pro-Dak is not being anti-Romo. Absolutely, and vice and, versa. Right, and and I think that sometimes those of us who do believe Dak should remain the starter are unfairly labeled as if we just have totally forgotten, disrespect, don't care about Tony Romo's decade of service. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not the case at all. I, I love Tony, and he's probably my favorite He'll be the quarterback I remember maybe most fondly because I grew up with him, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little young for Aikman. So um, Romo is the guy I got to watch from beginning to end. So I, I very much, very much respect and care about Tony Romo. However, <laughs> uh, the, the truth is I, I believe in playing the odds. Okay. And right, right now, based on what I've seen about Dak Prescott, and based on the last couple of years of history with Tony Romo and his injuries and some of the performance issues that we saw even when he was supposedly healthy last year, 
I think that the odds are that come this January, there's a better chance that Dak Prescott, who is still a work in progress, who is still growing and learning every single week, who hasn't even begun to hit his peak, ideally, may could be the better option than 36-year-old, may not have it anymore, Tony Romo. And I haven't been given enough of an argument as for why we should be so confident that Tony is going to be 2014 MVP level Tony Romo that I'm just going to say, all right, whatever. I'll trust in Tony and I'll take this kid that has led me to five and one who's blowing away efficiency stats across the board for quarterbacks, not just rookies, but all time. I just can't, I play the odds. And right now I think Dak Prescott is the safer bet. Well, this, this sounds like a point born out of logic and something that I can certainly respect. And I think that both Sean and I can, can understand this argument. And you're right. It's, it's important to continually remind everyone that we all love Tony Romo and Dak Prescott and, and every other cowboy, except J.J. Wilcox. I, I don't know if we all love him. <laughs> He's bowling right now. But, <laughs> but either way, you know, you, you make a great case here, Jess, when you talk specifically about 2015. And I know, Sean, that you cited that Tony Romo, you know, that was part of the, the data you suggested for him and why he should be the starter. Look, Tony Romo, we all know, was 3-1 in 2015. But if we're being totally honest with ourselves, the loss, the Carolina Panthers game, was one of the worst games of Tony Romo's career. And you look at the three wins that Tony Romo had in 2015, because that's our most recent sample size. The Giants game, which was week one, the heroic comeback, the final drive that Lance Dunbar ate up all those yards on. Tony Romo was not Tony Romo in that game. And Tony Romo was not Tony Romo in Philadelphia the week after when he broke his collarbone. Tony Romo was a shell of even his 2014 self at the time. So this concern is, is certainly valid. The, the best performance we saw of Tony Romo in 2015 was in Miami in the swamp when he was so great, you know, that he actually had to throw a ball left-handed. That's how, you know, crazy that game was. So I think, you know, and, and I've talked about this before in, in some articles I've written, by the way, if you're listening and you don't read our articles, you absolutely should. InsideTheStar.com is where you can find all three of us, this trio of excellence. But the last time I believe that we saw Tony Romo at his peak, to use the word that you did, Jess, was the 2014 playoffs. And even then, the game in Green Bay, he was phenomenal. But the last truly excellent game we saw from Tony Romo was that Lions wildcard playoff game that the Cowboys won where he had that epic comeback. That's The Green Bay game. I don't know why why you're dismissing that game. Because it doesn't hold the same amount of water. I mean, the Lions game is more... I don't have the exact like measurements of this, but from what I know, it was the best performance by a road quarterback in the playoffs ever to not win the game, which of course is just like a is a right, and, and that's is a bigger view of you know what Romo's career has been all along, you know, playing well enough to do this, but not getting to the level that he would expect. But he was, you know, you say oh, it doesn't have the same effect because they lost the game, but he was by far good enough if you want to look at any data to go win that game. And, of course, they should have won that game, you know, officiating aside for this. But even then, so say you want to take Green Bay. That was one week later. So you're talking about the last time you saw, you know, Tony Romo, as we know him, as, as Cowboys Nation knows him, was January of 2015. 
that's a long time ago. And so I understand why now that you seemingly have this option, Dak Prescott is is attractive. It, it makes it does make sense if we're being totally neither of these options are out of left field. And if we're being totally honest, I don't believe that neither option is 100 percent correct because th- this situation that the Cowboys find themselves in, but which, by the way, is not credited properly to Jason Garrett. He's five and one in two seasons out of three with two different quarterbacks at the helm. That's incredible. I mean, th- this guy that we have continually underestimated is really showing his true colors, I think, in this whole process. And I believe that this is almost impossible to navigate completely flawlessly. So there will be some kickback here, you know, whatever the case may be. So let's talk about the cons here, Sean. You know, what would, in your mind, be to argue your case pro-Roma? What are the cons to going to Dak Prescott? And then Jess will, you know, kind of circle back to you for the cons to going back to Romo. So, Sean, you can go first. So you want the cons of sticking with Dak Prescott? Correct. Right. So, as opposed to the advantages that would otherwise, you know, be at your disposal if you went Tony Romo. Well, I think the cons of playing Dak Prescott is, you know, obviously one of them, based on the data we have so far, is is not that it's going to be because he's going to lose too many games, and we don't know obviously where his career is going to go. At some point, we expect we expect him to be the future franchise starter of this team. So, you know, at some point we we do expect to see a 16-game season out of Dak Prescott and one that's going to be pretty good. That's already the expectation for this kid. So obviously that's not a, uh, a potential con that we're going to consider in depth at this point. doesn't make sense to it 5-1 and one in first place. But a con is that you're just not building this roster or you're not evaluating this roster in a smart way when it comes to the National Football League. You know, I'm all for watching film and trying to kind of be with that, you know, Everybody loves to get an inside glimpse of the NFL whenever they can. You know, what's it like being in that room, building a roster, watching tape, saying this guy needs to, you know, move, and then this guy is a draft knee and all that. I'm all for that kind of thing. Put the Cowboys aside. Let's say this is just a unidentified, even a college team. You, know, you have a young quarterback, and you have, let's say, a junior quarterback that you could call Tony Romo because he has, let's say, the rest of this season and then maybe one, one more season. 2017 could be Tony's senior year, if you will. Uh, if he was a college quarterback, just because you're winning with a freshman, let's say, doesn't mean that you don't want to go find out what you still have left in this injured veteran quarterback that has won in the past because objective facts say that you know either he's going to be the player that you once remembered and that's going to be a pretty good thing for you and you're going to win. You also know that the freshman quarterback is going to understand that he didn't lose his job because of performance. He was benched and he was playing well, and because of that, he's going to get a chance when this other guy graduates or when Tony is gone. Dak understands that if he gets benched when he's already playing well, which he is right now, when he, you know, he's going to have a chance to come back and be the quarterback of America's team that we all love right now so very, very much. You need to find out what you have in Tony Romo. It's that simple, in my opinion. You have a player on your roster that could still be uh, capable of playing at a Hall of Fame level, and I truly believe that you will see a Hall of Fame level Tony Romo when we do see him this year, which we will. I believe that, and even if you don't believe that, the only way the only way to find that out is to go play him. So he's a player on this roster you need to evaluate right now, and even if that means going out there and maybe losing a game at some point. Well, you mentioned the praise for Jason Garrett. I love Jason Garrett. He's not going to blame the loss, obviously, on just Tony. He's going to say, you know, the team needs to step up around him. 
and that's also a pro. I know you could ask me at some point for pros about playing Romo. I'll just I'll make this short here. Obviously, you know, a pro of playing Romo is that I think guys are going to want to make plays for him. Guys obviously want to make plays for Prescott right now, but that's going to be taken to a whole other level when they see this veteran back that they've been expecting to come back all along. Don't forget that the team's plan was at some point for Tony to take over for Dak, regardless of what Dak has done with the record. And it's just icing on the cake that Dak has them in first place as one of the best teams in the league. And now Tony you know, has his work cut out for him to uh, to keep this team at the top, which I'm, I know he's going to embrace. Any competitive football player who's been a competitive player for as long as Tony has and has gone through so many struggles is going to embrace it. So a con of sticking with Dak Prescott, the biggest con and the worst thing you can possibly do at the NFL level, talking about cons of building a roster, which Will McClay and the Cowboys are doing such a great job of right now, is just to not figure out what you have in Tony Romo, especially with a team that you know with a good Tony Romo could be a dangerous team that's already 5-1, and now we can start talking Super Bowl with this team. Well, so I, I think to summarize the the con of really not necessarily going Dak, but just not bringing Romo back is fear of the unknown, is fear of, of leaving something on the bench, uh, fear of, you know, complacency, if you will. So, so Jess... Um, how do you, I mean, do you think that that is a real thing at, at the very least that, that you are potentially risking not having the more talented player on the field? Sure. I think that certainly the, um, I mean, in any risk reward scenario, that's the potential reward. Right. I get it. And you, like you're saying, you're, you're just, you're playing odds and I get that. And maybe you're willing to risk those odds. Right. And I totally understand those who believe that Tony is could be the better option um, that if he can recapture his um, MVP level play then he would be better than Dak Prescott right now I think that sometimes we give Tony a little too much credit for things that I don't ever remember seeing like I like throughout this year I've seen guys talking about how Oh, you know, the the threat of the vertical passing game would help our offense if Tony was out there. Wh- who is this deep ball Tony Romo mm-hmm. that they're talking about? I've never seen that guy. Yeah, and uh, you, you and I talked about that here uh, on the show. After the Dolphins preseason game, we said that the reason the Bryce Butler deep, what was it, like 53-yard pass happened that night was because Dak Prescott's in the game. He's got a bigger arm. I agree with well, you. And this is a point I meant to get to, to uh, along with that, though. Well, you might not have the the physical aspect of Romo being able to go make those foes down the field as much anymore. And there was a point where he was making those foes, Jess. Um, what I think you are getting with Romo, you mentioned this a while back, RJ, and it was a good point that I wanted to elaborate on. This is a good time to do so. What I think you're getting with Romo is an element that can't be understated is his pre-snap ability. It's probably the best in the NFL right now. When Peyton Manning was still here, obviously that title belonged to him. With Peyton Manning retired, I'm completely comfortable saying that there's no better quarterback before the snap in the National Football League right now than our Tony Romo. Because, you know, I think we all remember the play against the Dolphins, and there's plays everywhere. You can go back and find examples. You know, there's 10 seconds left on the play clock. He's pulling guys across the field. Okay, Terrence Williams, you know, come over here so we can beat this coverage. Uh, Zeke, I need you on this side. Jason Witten, this is going to open here and pointing around. And then there's, you know, four seconds left on the clock, and you're sitting here in your couch saying, you know, what is Tony doing? we got to get this snap off. He 
picks up his leg, takes a snap, and all of a sudden everything's okay because he audible to get a guy wide open because the defense was respecting that deep ball because they noticed, you know, Terrence coming across the field means he's probably going to go run down the seam and Jason Witten has a first down on fourth down or right. Des Bryant gets wide open. We haven't seen that from Prescott yet. Well, I, I think, and Jess, you can have the floor right now to discuss the cons for Romo, but I, I would argue to, to some degree, Sean, that that is maybe a con of Romo's game because the fact that, and, and and that's not to indict that ability. That's obviously an amazing ability. To be ability. able to get them in the right play. Wait, but the, the the point here is is that under Dak Prescott, this is this offense has been, I think over the last five years at least, the the most um, influenced by Jason Garrett's abilities as a head coach. And because I, I won't call Dak a, a game manager, but Dak is following that far larger to a T than Romo ever did. Because you're right, Romo brilliantly, we're not trying to take away from that, checked out of things into other things that had success. But we're seeing here that, that Dak is simply following the game plan. He's not improvising as much. You're obviously right here. But the you know the facts are that they're 5-1, and one, so Jason Garrett's game plan is obviously quite effective. And, and so I don't know if you agree with that, Jess. Maybe you agree that that is a con to some degree as well. But what are the other potential cons to, to keep, you know, to going back to Romo beyond the obvious of disrupting the chemistry the current team has? Um, to, to borrow a phrase from the Joker... Romo is kind of an agent of chaos. That's and, fair. And he thrives in it. Um, he's the guy who makes something out of nothing. And, and I love that about it. And I do too. I, I do too. But, um, again, risk-reward. There's something about the in- incredibly controlled, executing, will-exerting nature of the offense this year that, I mean, if you want to talk about Tony Romo look at you know the peaks of his career what's the I mean right now our offense looks like it did in the 90s when it was just execute 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 and it was just a matter of you can't stop us we're not we're not trying to trick you we're do a whole lot of big flashy things we're just going to beat you down and that's what they're doing that's what Dak's doing with his throws to all these little short throws to Beasley um and I mean, we'll get in. I think we should get into this in a minute, but about what Dak is doing without Des Bryant on the field. I think that's its own topic. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as the, the cons for Romo, a lot of this is just going to be sort of um, kind of repeating what um, I said about why I like Dak more. I think um, one of the biggest things that you get, uh, I disagree with Sean that the, the players will will work harder for Tony Romo. I think we're seeing these guys going all out for Dak. I think we see the enthusiasm. Which they should. Which they should. I think we see the enthusiasm when this team's making plays with Dak out there. We're seeing right. these guys rally around him. I don't think there's any way there's any more enthusiasm for Tony than there is right now for Dak. Because it seems like they're, they're going all out as it is. The, see, I think there could be. But I'll get to that. Continue, just Yeah. And then uh, one of the big things that, as far as a con, is the, the Cowboys right now, they have this sort of perfectly constructed system for emphasizing their strengths and mitigating their weaknesses based on the style of play. Possessing the ball, not turning it over, dominating the clock, 
it's protecting the bad defense. I, I still say it's it's a okay. I shouldn't say bad defense. The mediocre defense making that defense look better than it re- probably really is. This is all part of Dak Prescott being in there as opposed to Tony. I don't know if Tony Romo is his style is really going to help the overall ripple effect of the of the team and the makeup of it. Like you said, you're talking about the way the roster is built. I think Dak Prescott's a better quarterback for this roster right now than Tony Romo is. I, you know, Jess, I, the whole time you were talking about it, and you bring up Joker, um, and you obviously talking about the the comic book character, but you know, I thought of of the card in, in a deck of cards, and this whole situation. You know, I think we've all tried to make different analogies, tried to compare it to this and that or whatever. But to me, and what's really emphasized by, by talking to you guys throughout this conversation here is, it feels like the Cowboys are sitting on seventeen in a game of blackjack, and Jess just you're saying just Jesse. sit. Jess, you're saying sit because I'm trying to play odds. I think 17 can beat the the dealer here. I'm hitting 17 every time. And Sean wants to hit because Sean wants 21. And and obviously 21 wins the game. And if you can hit 21, then that's great. But sometimes 17 can win. And 17 has won five of six games so far. And and I get I think I mean I don't know maybe it's a great analogy. Yeah. And, and so and I I pick 17 because you both you know you both follow me on Twitter. You know I'm big on numbers and things like that. But Dak is number four, and 17 in, in blackjack is that point where you say, man. You know, I've got the four, I've got the three, and I've got the the two and the ace at my disposal here. That's those are okay odds, but the larger odds lend to to staying because I don't want to bust. And and I don't think bringing Tony Romo back is busting, but I think this analogy makes a lot of sense. And Jess, you're right here. You know, let's talk about the the absence of Des Bryant, and and I'll say that the absence of Des Bryant kind of proves the the start Dak case, obviously, but beyond the obvious, in that it's just Jason Garrett's game plan because, Sean, you know, 2014 was a phenomenal year, but it was all Romo and Dez, and they're so great, yes, that they won 12 games and they won a playoff game, but to the point that I was making before Jess stated those cons, this is the team's game plan. This is what Jason Garrett has devised, and they're playing as a more complete team, not that they were divided or anything in 2014, but at that point they were leaning more on their stars, which obviously makes sense. But now the burden is spread that much wider and they're all carrying it. Um, And and I think that the absence of Des Bryant proves that. So Jess, you can go first here. What is the absence of Des Bryant and Dak's success, you know, without it suggest to you, because Dak has beaten two playoff teams. And, And again, we say Dak like, you know, there aren't 52 other players on this roster. But the team with Dak has beaten the Cincinnati Bengals and the Green Bay Packers. They're two most impressive wins of the season, and they happen to have come against teams who were in the playoffs a season ago, all coming without the services of Romo and Dez. Again, that says a lot about Jason Garrett, but what does it say to you about keeping Dak Prescott under center? Well, I think one of the biggest knocks that uh, we've seen on Dak that people make is, well, he's not explosive enough. The offense isn't as explosive with him. Well, how explosive can an offense be when you're throwing to Terrence Williams and Bryce Butler all day? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I just think that we saw. I've seen, I've seen Romo make Terrence Williams pretty explosive. You know, getting the ball, getting him on the move. Like I said, audibleing him into the right spot but, before the snap. And but he that, but that's that's slants, that's with like Des that. Bryant on the field. It's a totally different equation when. Sure, Terrence but Des Bryant also at the same time we'll both agree on this. Des Bryant, when he's available, is the most explosive player period that this team has at the wide receiver position. Right, so any, but, well, but you, yeah, any you're, make, you're making my point for me, Sean. That, that's Mark it. Sanchez could come in here and make Des Bryant go make explosive plays. But no, nobody could do it last year, and that's because Des was obviously limited himself. But it, it's, yeah, not, it's, just not right. yeah. it's not a matter of anybody can come in and do it. And, and to Jess's point, you know, Terrence Williams and Bryce Butler as your one and two are not, you know, an ideal situation for an NFL quarterback. No, and what we're really seeing is um, that because of that, they're going. I and mean, Cole Beasley is the number one receiver on the team right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. And because again, they have figured out. All right, we're not going to be the um, you know Super Bowl winning Kurt Warner Rams here. So they're going with a much more ball control style offense. They're working this little stuff to Beasley. It's being highly productive. It's just not what we would call explosive. And at the end of the day. I don't really care. I don't care what our um, 2016 highlight reel looks like. I want what's producing wins, what's chewing up yards and clock time. And I think that if you can add Des Bryant now, if we can see, let's remember, we've only seen Dak playing with Des in two games. Is that right? Is it just two? Um, well, he got hurt in the Bears game, so right. two, two and a so half, two, two, and, and two, and, two and three quarters, whatever. You, two, technically three complete games. Dez did finish, caught the touchdown in the fourth quarter of the Bears game. You're right, uh, you're right. Right, so three games. Dak's a better quarterback now than he was then. So I would really like to see Dak Prescott with Dez Bryant and then tell me how explosive the offense is or isn't and how much of a difference Romo would or wouldn't make. I think that we owe, I mean, honestly, you talk about what we owe Tony, I think we almost owe Dak a chance to see what he does now with Dez in the lineup. I want to get into I want to get into this owing business in a second, and Sean, I'll let you, you know, rebut here in a second. But, you know, something that sort of hit me while you were, you know, making your case, Jess, is, is Sean, you talked about how, how Tony Romo presents more of an aerial attack, and, and Jess, you questioned it, which I think both of those are fair points. But to be honest, and Jess, you said it, this is a mediocre defense, and they're playing a, a, a higher level than they truly are. We all agree with that. But if you have an elite vertical threat, and I'm not saying that I would – you know, oppose that. But if you're scoring more quickly, your defense is out on the field for a longer amount of time. That's what has lent to the success of the defense to a large degree, I think, in the five wins they've had is like you're saying, Jess, they have methodically, you know, just chipped away with with Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley's, you know, smaller aerial attack, if you want to call it that, has lent to the success of the defense. So, Sean, what do you think about the absence of Des Bryant and, and how that has related to what Dak has done? And, and maybe it, it is not indicative of anything. Maybe it means that Dak or that Des and, and Romo should return together. What are your thoughts? Well, of course, I know with that point there, you're talking about this offense being what this team needs as far as complimenting the defense and all that. With that, you have to get into this running game. And we haven't mentioned, you know, how great Ezekiel Elliott is, is going to be. But I, I do want to talk about that after I mentioned your first question in Des and Tony. And then what I was trying to say there 
this Bryant was signed to a long-term deal to be a good player here for a long time. You know, he was signed to be your definition of a modern NFL franchise player. Des Bryant's supposed to be making plays here for the next decade plus, if not close to that, if he can continuously stay healthy and all that. Des Bryant's supposed to be here for a long time, regardless of who the quarterback's going to be. Dak in the future, hopefully Romo now, obviously, is what I'm fighting for here uh, on this show. Des Bryant's supposed to be here as a guy that those guys can rely on at the quarterback position. And I'll take my chances, Jess, taking a look at, you know, talk about being owed right now, uh, a Dak and Bryant connection. I'll take my chances on if I can go find that Romo Bryant connection from 2014, where, like you mentioned, OJ, it was a big reason why they won games along with DeMarco Murray and all that, because of Romo being able to just drop the ball downfield to Dez, and it was, you know, Dez feeds off that energy. We know how passionate of a player he indeed is, and he goes and makes those big plays in the fourth quarter, you know, when this team needs it, throw down, he can go get that as well. So you talk about being owed Prescott and Bryant at some point. This team's already expecting that. Talk about roster building. This team's looking at the number of years left on the contracts of both those players, and they're smiling, saying that at some point we're going to get a future of Dak Prescott and Des Bryant, and that's going to be a good thing to build this offense around, along with Dine and Elliott and Cole Beasley. And, you know, this offense is built for sustainability right now. But the one position where you might not have – not you know, not saying not you won't have sustainability. We might not have longevity. Is with Tony Romo, who has this great connection with Des Bryant, and that's what we need to find out if we can go get again that Romo to Bryant connection from 2014. Um, you know, again, OJ is something that you said won them football games, and you're absolutely correct in saying that. Right, and there's no denying that that it won them football games, not just in 2014, but but in years preceding that, but. So much is made about how Romo coming back could disrupt the chemistry of the offense, and and I think we all agree that this team will play up for whoever. I mean, I don't I don't think it matters who's under center, and I don't buy the chemistry angle either. But I think it's worth noting, and, and maybe we're somewhat discovering it in this chat here, that dropping Romo and Dez back in is a big change and and a big paradigm shift to how the offense has functioned. And obviously, it sounds like it would make sense. But to Jess's point, the offense is, is played a, a particular way. And let's let's look at this for a second. I think, is it fair to say that the three most impressive victories these Cowboys have had in 2016 were, were the last three, San Francisco, Cincinnati, and Green Bay? Would, would you both agree with that? Or yeah. maybe... Right. And so you look at that, those also are the three games without both Tony Romo and Des Bryant. So I don't know that it's just Tony Romo coming in, potentially changes this, that, or whatever. I think it's Tony Romo and Des Bryant, because when you have two elite players, if Romo is playing at an elite level, and if Des is playing at an elite, elite level, for that matter, we, we give Des this pass. We Des, uh, Jess talked about giving Romo a pass. Dez has not been who we know him to be since pretty much that time I referenced that Tony has. And so you're trying to recapture that and marry it with what you have going on. But the three most successful games you've had this season have come when they were both absent. And so you're essentially trying to uh, to marry two different almost styles of offense. And I don't know that that's possible. I'm just kind of realizing that. Jess, what do you think? I think that one of the things we have to really focus on and and we can't uh, underestimate it is consistency for young players is is crucial. 
and if we if we do what's being suggested, if we if we go go back to to Romo, um, I mean, there's no if with going back to Dez. Dez is coming back one way or the other. Right. So if we if we go back to Romo, we take Dak out, things change. Players start getting used to different rhythms, different patterns of like Sean said, all that chaotic um, stuff at the line of scrimmage. Romo gets hurt. Romo has some bad games. They decide, all right, we got to go back to the kid. How many more games will we then be in danger of as the offense tries to refine its rhythm with Dak under center? Mm-hmm. So we're not just talking about people say, well, if, if Tony comes in, then, okay, maybe it'll cost us a game. We'll go back to Dak. It might cost us some games once Dak comes back. That's fair. And, that- and maybe I'm just giving – and maybe this is just to divide, talk about, you know, this offense and the play calling. Obviously, that all falls back to offensive coordinator Scott Linehan. Maybe I'm just giving him too much credit and you guys aren't giving him enough because, in my opinion, I think it's, you know, you talk about uh, Romo and Bryant completely changing this offense, which I'm arguing obviously would be for the better, not only because, you know, Bryant back out there, Jess already said we're not going to avoid that, and we want Bryant back out there. We're not going to record a debate podcast about whether or not Des Bryant needs to suit up as soon as he can, which is going to be for the Eagles game in two weeks when he can. But with Romo out there, you know, Brian Bartis has made the point, and it's a great one at that, watching the film, that this Cowboys offense is playing really a college type of offense right now, and it's that, you know, they get everybody involved. You saw the jet sweep to Lucky Whitehead was really a play that probably won them that Green Bay game. So, you know, they're getting everybody involved, and that's how they're moving the ball so well, and all these receivers are buying in. But at the same time, you know, I know that Scott Linehan can win games with that because he's proven it these past six weeks. He's won five games with a rookie quarterback playing a college offense where he gets the ball to everybody. But he won 12 games in 2014 proving that he's capable of calling plays for a number one franchise Hall of Fame level quarterback in Tony Romo and a potential one-day Hall of Fame wide receiver in Des Bryant. He's proven that he's capable of making that work, which, you know, you can roll your eyes and say any offensive coordinator should prove that that can work. But he's proven that he can, you know, marry that with the running game and this offensive line and moving Des around um, in the Washington game this year, which we saw. He needed to do that, or else they don't win that game, in my opinion. And then also letting him coexist with guys like Beasley and Williams. So you know, maybe I'm just giving Scott Linehan here too much credit for saying that I really think he can handle adjusting this offense however it needs to adjust, you know, whether they need to run the ball even more, whether they need to open up the passing even more, or funnel it to Bryant. Or I think Scott Linehan can take this personnel 10 different ways and still find ways to win games. But Jess, you know, I completely understand from a football standpoint what you're arguing for when it comes to, yes, Linehan might be able to win in 10 different ways, but there's certainly something to be said about finding one way that works, which they've done so far, and sticking with it. But I just don't know if that's the best long-term solution, sticking with what's working right now, which would, of course, be Dak Prescott and his dink-and-dunk style kind of, of offense. Right. Well, well, let me let me ask you something then. Um, sure. When when you say long term solution, what what do you mean? What, what's your definition of long term? What are we talking about? Well, I'm talking about in this season, really trying to maximize by the end of this season, can this Cowboys offensive Dak Prescott 
can this Cowboys team with Dak Prescott, you know, the quarterback's the most important guy on the team, regardless of what team we're talking about in the NFL. And maybe it's just me being greedy, though. Can this team continue its run, win the NFC East? And then if you win the NFC East, you know, this isn't something that we've gotten used to over these past couple of years with any consistency of the Cowboys. If you win the NFC East, you better be damn well ready to go compete in the playoffs because it's, you know, 2014 you made the playoffs, 2015 you won four football games. So you better be ready to go make something out of the NFC East 2016 title if it's going to be yours. And I don't know if Dak Prescott's ready to do that. Obviously, Prescott goes into the playoffs, plays a pretty good game, and you lose. You're still pretty happy about your future. Uh, you know, getting him into the playoffs in the first place as a rookie, but you better be able to go try to make a run. And I think the the best offense and the best player that helps them make a run at the quarterback position, of course, is Tony Romo leaning on Ezekiel Elliott in this running game. When you know, when it gets cold out, obviously you can run the ball even more. And then Tony Romo doing all that crazy stuff at the line that we've talked so much about and and playing that style of offense uh, as opposed to what Dak could bring into the playoffs. Well, you know, you both talked about Scott Linehan and Sean. I, I liked how you said that, you know, he could he could find 10 different ways to win. But, you you know, and then you acknowledge Jess's point. Well, why why mess with the other nine if if one is working? And And that goes, I think... You know, I think we discovered the perfect analogy here, the blackjack thing, because there are a lot of ways to achieve 21 or to win blackjack. You can win with 17, you can win with 18, you can win with 19, you can win with 21. You can win on two cards, three cards, four cards, whatever. And I get your point, Sean, and what you're saying, but, you know, we've all referenced the run game tonight. And so I have a question for you both. Who do you think through six games has uh, contributed more to the run game of the Cowboys? Because... Again, this just speaks to Jason Garrett's success. Two out of three seasons through six games, his squad is five and one, and he features the NFL's leading rusher, and they are two different dudes. So, Sean, just simple yes or or not yes or no, but who contributed more to their success through six games, DeMarco Murray in 2014 or Zeke Elliott this season? Ezekiel Elliott, in my opinion, because this is a point I needed to make earlier that I can make now go way back to one of Jess's earlier points he was raving about how comfortable Dak Prescott's worked. And we've all noticed that. We're all raving about that because it is amazing. It is probably the reason that we don't we not only see a uh, you know a great quarterback right now, we see a potential future franchise quarterback because he's so comfortable as a twenty year old rookie. Right. Uh, but- standing standing in there through five games. The reason for that, the reason he looks so comfortable is because of the number 21, Ezekiel Elliott. But, but you know, for, he, forget Dak, though. Well, forget Dak. Who, who has no, contrib- I want to hear what Jess said. Well, well hang on. The, the, qu- the question is who contributed more to the success of the team. Forget uh, Dak. Elliott, because he is making Dak Prescott, the guy who has already convinced Jess that he should start over Tony Robo. Okay, so so oh, Elliott. Okay. But, well, but Jess, i, I got to make this point. Elliott, make because this he's point making around. him coastal, well, and he's but, running the ball. But Jess, know, Jess, 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 who, before you get to your point, I, and you'll have the chance, who contributed more to the success of their 5-1 and one team, not any quarterback, DeMarco in 2014 or Zeke this season? And Zeke doesn't come off the field. Well, stupid. hang on. This is Jess's turn. It's Well, there's no question it is Zeke right now because – he is allowing a rookie quarterback to overcome whatever natural weaknesses and discomforts a rookie quarterback's going to have and be in this place of poise and serenity. 
So I think that that has to be given, you know, Zeke has to get credit for that. But one thing, I mean, if we're going to give Zeke all this credit for how good Dak looks right now, well, we have to then acknowledge that Tony Romo having a career year in 2014 may have had something to do with DeMarco Murray. So let's not um, let's not say, oh, well, Dak owes Zeke a steak dinner and then pretend Tony Romo didn't owe DeMarco Murray the same. That's fair. That's, no, that's, no, but that, no, but, but that's my point entirely is that right now what you have with this football team is Zeke Elliott really helping Dak Prescott and in turn – you know, Prescott's helping Elliott, but really Elliott is showing that he has tons of natural ability. He, we knew that when he got drafted in the top five at his position and all that. But if Romo comes back in place of Prescott and everything else stays the same, and Elliott's, of course, still going to be your running back, Romo can help Elliott even more because but, but he's going to be able to get him the ball and you're going to see him more, you know, audibling into the right runs as opposed to Prescott's just handing him the ball when the play call says but, to hand him the but ball. But Jess's, Jess's whole like point that. here is that perhaps the Romo that you're defending was inflated by DeMarco Murray as Dak Prescott, to your point, is by Zeke Elliott. That's what, 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 that's, me, what I let me see a Tony Romo inflated by Ezekiel Elliott because both Jess and I, both of us just agree. And we both did just agree that – He's made more of an impact than Murray. So then by that logic, if Zeke's better than Murray, and Murray produced the best Romo that we've ever seen in 2014, what could Zeke do for Romo? And that's, of course, the question. All right. that's that we fair. All, that's, of course, that the question fair. that we all asked ourselves. This isn't the question that we started asking ourselves before we even saw Dak, before Dak was even drafted. 30 seconds after Zeke Elliott was drafted, that was the question we asked ourselves. We all said, wow, what is this going to do for Tony Romo? That's fair. I agree. That, Okay, that's very fair, but here, here's I got to go back to something you said almost at the very beginning of the show. Sure. You you were comparing Dak and Tony to like college players, like the senior and the freshman. Right. I said a junior and a freshman. You could say that almost a junior. Okay. The junior, the junior and the freshman. There Two aren't. Years, a, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Other than Chris Winky, there aren't any thirty-six-year-old juniors. <laughs> so telling me that. So Tony, call him a senior. Call him a senior. Yeah. Telling me that Tony Romo is still the same guy as in 2014, we have no idea. Right. And, and, and that's the part that I think. Let's go is, find out. Let's evaluate this football team. Why, why do you. But see, this is, this is my point. What right now makes me have to go find out? Because you can hit 21. That's what Sean is trying to do. Sean is trying to because hit 21. Because you're not, I like and, five and, and one personally. And, and you can't sit on Romo forever and say, "Oh, we'll find out what you are when you're 50." No, you need to find out what he is when you when you have reason to believe that what he could be is something good. You wait till 17 to try to find out. You're gonna be, you know, saying you're gonna be covering your eyes, shielding your eyes when he steps onto the practice field, saying, "I hope Romo looks okay," but half of you, half your mind is saying that you're expecting him to struggle. If you put Romo out there right now today you could justifiably, in your brain, expect that he's going to be a good quarterback. If I don't, he is, I don't, if he's not, then we have another I, yeah, discussion. You, you, have. you can't justifiably expect that. You can expect it, but it's certainly not justifiable. There's, there's sure just, it is. How is it not justifiable? Because Wait. of the fact that he hasn't played elite football since January of 2015. I mean, it's okay to say that Tony Romo might not be Tony Romo, Sean. I mean, he, he certainly well might be, but there is 
a percentage, whether it's elite football, right? But but whether it's one percent or ninety nine percent, there is a percentage chance that Tony Romo is going to be the shell of himself that we saw in two thousand fifteen, and that's. You know, the point is why risk it if you're just getting that this whole point again, that's why there's not a 100 percent correct answer to this to this whole debate, because right. there is. I saw, the- I saw Tony Romo in 2015 that bought this team three wins and I watched this team play 16 games and only win a total of four. OK, of them, so. but but that is that is statistical inflation because of those three wins. He only played in two complete games. And in the first one, he was not Tony Romo that we know he had what, like three interceptions in that Giants game on Sunday Night Football to start the he season. Had- Tony Romo he, he went down the field to end that game, and, but he didn't yeah, play I, like Tony Romo the whole rest of that game. Exactly. That's why I'm saying the, the last time we saw – Give us Tony Romo drives this season. But but the point is is that – You haven't needed him. The point is is that if he's not the player that he was in January of 2015, which to your point, Sean, the epic road performance in the loss in Green Bay, that's the Tony Romo you're expecting. Not the Tony Romo from 2015 because in 2015 he was not Tony Romo. He was – he was bad. I mean, they were fortunate enough to win those three games that they won with him under center, one of which he didn't even finish. But to this this running back question that sort of set us all off, I think let's let's take a deep breath. We're all good. We love each other. We're a family. <laughs> we all love Zeke. But, we all love each other. <laughs> but I, I believe, you know, to answer that, that at this point through six games, DeMarco Murray had more yardage than Zeke. DeMarco Murray was on fire at this point. But Zeke, I do think, is more influential – Because, you know, we talk so much now. Uh, The narrative is how the Cowboys have the best offensive line in the NFL. That was born in the middle of the 2014 season. When the 2014 season started, nobody expected what the run game was. It was a surprise that people had to learn to deal with week after week. Zeke has been, you know, target number one from the moment he was drafted fourth overall. So defenses have paid far more attention to him, I believe, through six weeks than they did to Marco Murray. That was the point I was getting at, which does justify, you know, why Dak has had some success. I mean, Zeke has faced, I think, more eight-man boxes than anybody in the NFL. And there's a lot to what Dak has done that is, is relevant to that. But let's talk about now this this uh, notion that the Cowboys owe anybody anything. Now, I'm an objective person, and I don't believe that you should make this decision because you owe it to Tony Romo. You make this decision if you go to Romo because you believe he's the best quarterback now. And I believe that. I believe a healthy Tony Romo is the best quarterback. But, And I don't know how either of you feel here, but, Sean, do you believe that any percentage of this decision is made out of loyalty or respect or because he's earned it? Because that, to me, holds no water. It's just it's the philosophy of my original point. I believe that if I'm if maybe Saul Martin is running a football team, my players deserve my players are owed rather to use your term that we're discussing here. My players are owed a fair chance to show what they are in terms of this team, in terms of the X's and O's scheme, you know, the off the field, whatever, you know, all the reasons that you bring in a football player. We don't need to get into that. I believe that all my players are owed a fair shot. Obviously, sure. obviously, Romo has played you know over a decade here, and that's been his fair shot. But now, he still deserves more of a shot, in my opinion, of course, because he still could be very good, and you've seen him be very good. Okay. And he's healthy and ready to play. So that, you know, that's right. my belief. I got a real, real simple answer for that. Um, 
Darren McFadden's ready to come off of NFI, so I That's guess he's he's our starting answer. running back now, right? Wow, well done. Seriously. No, that doesn't make any sense. Explain that. <laughs> well, we saw we saw him That's play illogical. great last year. He, I mean, he was the he fourth was a, leading rusher in the NFL in in 2015. You know what you also saw and got confirmed by these coaches. You saw this entire offense had to have to change their scheme and abandon the zone scheme that you're seeing Zeke Elliott just eat yards right now. And the reason you keep seeing all these eating emojis from Zeke Elliott is because they are running the best scheme for this offensive line to go out there and kill people. Well, I don't, I don't think Jess was serious. I mean, he's just, I mean, I was being being facetious to a point, but I understand that, but McFadden was great because of the offensive line. Zeke is great because he's great. No, 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 buddy. You can't, you can't have it both ways. Zeke is great because Zeke is great, but Zeke right now. What I'm saying is I'm, is I'm warning against not evaluating football players on just numbers. And RJ jumped straight to when McFadden was the fourth leading rusher. That's a rushing yards number. But your point was that Tony Romo won 12 games in 2014. I mean, numbers are, are, you know, used here in every light of it. So, right, and I'm also saying evaluate tape, and the tape on Tony in 2000, you know, we don't even have to go back to 2014 tape. We know how good he was. And the tape in 2015 was I, not that good. Already, That's the I, point. I think he has plenty of good throws. Well, Darren McFadden had plenty of good runs. So, I mean, my point He hasn't had as many big runs, like important runs, is what I mean by that, as Elliot. Here's, here's the thing, and I, to answer that original question about what people are owed, we, we saw DeMarco Murray break an Ibbitt Smith single-season record, and then we said, good luck in your future endeavors. And then we brought in McFadden, and then we, we went and drafted Zeke Elliott, knowing McFadden was going to you – know, he didn't hurt his elbow till later, after the draft. Knowing McFadden was still around, we went and got Elliott. They wanted the guy to fit their scheme. But, but right. you know that, – so, so, so that – okay, what you just said, fit their scheme – you just said all this stuff about the scheme having to change and, and, and McFadden, it didn't quite work for McFadden. And now, you know, it's really working with Elliot. Romo will change the scheme. So this team why, has been not only schemed, this team has been schemed and built around Tony Romo for a decade. Not in 2016. This team is Romo built for expected, anybody Romo right now. Romo was expected to be the starter coming into 2016. The plan was to never have Dak Prescott, your fourth-round pick, start 16 what games. Does that, but what does that mean, Sean? I mean, when you say what that, that a team, what is it? When you say a team is built around a certain quarterback, you get a good offensive line, a this good running back, good receivers. Do. Get it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who your quarterback, quarterback is. You get talent. Hold up. Let's let Jess. Out. Let's let Jess make his point here and, and let him, you know, finish it off because Jess does have a point here in that Demarco Murray to Darren McFadden is certainly comparable here because he's right. I mean, that is that makes more sense than obviously comparing, you know, Darren McFadden to Zeke, but. You're right, Jess. I mean, if if they were willing to let him walk, um, who, you know, what does that say? So go ahead with your your scheme point, Jess. Well, it's just that I I feel like when we when we say that that the team is built around Tony Romo, I, I don't I've never understood that. I've never understood that mentality. Who have we gone out and signed or drafted that was somehow a Tony Romo specific player? It's like, I mean, 
just to evoke Bill Parcells here, we're in the talent acquisition business. And that's all we ever do is go out and try and find the most talented players. Any team would have wanted Ezekiel Elliott. It had nothing to do with Tony Romo. Well, I mean, yeah, that, I that, makes, that makes sense. That, that, make, that makes sense. But, but Any team would, have want, would want our offensive line. But Any sure. team would want Des – I mean, well, most teams would want Des Bryant. I, I, just, I just don't understand this idea that Tony is some magic elixir here because, t- to me, one of the most simple well, philosophies in life is if well, it ain't on. broke, so don't fix it. I, I think that – I mean, you're right, Jess. We don't have a list of, of talent that was acquired specifically because Tony Romo has been the quarterback of the Cowboys. But I do think that it's not a, a stretch to say that Zeke was drafted – to aid in a Romo-led offense because Zeke was drafted to attempt to replicate what the Cowboys did in 2014. I think which... I think Zeke was drafted to aid a mediocre defense more than anything, and they said that at the time of the draft. When we were debating Jalen Ramsey versus Zeke Elliott, the whole idea was Zeke will help the defense more than Jalen Ramsey can on his own merit. That's that fair. Was, that see, was now, the big was, argument. See, now, if that was the reason... If that was confirmed to be their top reason, then I'll come out and say right now that I don't think the Zeke Elliott pick was a good one. Well, all right, but let me finish. So, <laughs> well, I, I think that if that was their reason, they've been proven 100% right. So I don't know how you could argue it at this that's, point. But That's fair also. You want to improve this defense? Get a first-round talent in there. Then you they, talk about improving oh, this thing. But they, but they have improved the win. defense, to Jess's point. This they defense, did get a first-round talent. Yeah. They got Morris Claiborne to finally show up as Morris Claiborne. But that hasn't had nearly the impact on the defense that Zeke Elliott has in terms of their overall game-after-game ability to to manage things. And I think that along with that philosophy, as I've already said, Dak Prescott right now helps your defense more than Tony Romo can. I The scoreboard side of it, Tony lighting up the scoreboard more than Dak can, okay, if... He is 2014 Tony Romo. Sure, maybe he can. But there's two key things. One, you don't know that he's still got that in him. Two, you can't tell me Dak Prescott won't have that in him by the time the playoffs come around because he's a rookie and he's growing at an exponential rate. Well, okay, so it's it's been about an hour here, which is impressive for all of us. All right, most particularly me. All right, but... Um, <laughs> How's that crossfire? Like, uh, but... So I think that what we've learned here, and I'll give you both a chance to make a closing statement here. So first of all, I want to say that I believe in life, in every element of life, in objective decisions and non-emotional decisions. And like Sean said, the plan has always been for Tony Romo to be the starter of this team when he's healthy, when he returns from this back ailment. So don't let emotion conflict with the decision that you made when you weren't emotionally compromised. That's the first thing I want to say. But I think if, if anything, if anyone has learned from what the Cowboys have done these first six weeks, I actually believe it is Tony Romo. Because to Sean's point, I agree that pre-snap Tony Romo is at this point the best, if not the second best quarterback in the NFL. If you want to throw Tom Brady out there just for the sake because he's Tom Brady, fine. I won't fight that. Tony Romo is among the best at that ability. But I think because, Jess, your your point here is that if Tony Romo is his 2014 iteration, what if Romo dials that back? I mean, what if Romo plays 
to the way that Dak is playing. They continue to play the same style, the same scheme, the same operative, you know, motions. Then I trust Tony Romo more in those situations. Maybe Tony Romo has learned in these six games, I don't have to do all of those things. And that's maybe Romo has sat there with his headset on every Sunday, seen Garrett implement his game plan, like I mentioned earlier, and said, you know what? He's right. I don't have to mess with it as much. I'm just going to go out there and play the game as it's written and follow Garrett's swing to a T. And if he does that, I would rather have Tony Romo doing that than Dak Prescott, which is is my point. So, Jess, I let Sean go first with the opening statements. You can go first. Close this thing up. Tell us why Dak Prescott should be the quarterback after everything we've we've been through this evening. We've all lost like 16 years off of our lives. 16 <laughs> because Matt Castle wore 16 and lost us like 100 years. Well, real quick to what you just said, I think there's a certain um... – element that that's not been talked about and that's Dak's running ability so if if you're going to tell me that Tony's going to dial it back and play the same style of passing that Dak does then he's just a slower Dak Prescott so but I mean I would like to have the guy who can also hit you with the run but uh, aside from all that as far as just the closing argument to me it, it all goes back to risk reward not only do I see a team functioning and flowing as well as it's looked since 2014 and not only do i see them arguably winning games more decisively than the 2014 team did you're not having to see some of that tony romo late game magic because they're just beating people and they're beating them pretty hard the thing that also i see is an nfc that is wide open there is no dominant team no elite team who i need that hit on you know that 21 blackjack tony romo to beat and i think the formula that dak prescott has given this team and that that may only get better between now and january will win me the nfc at least yeah. and that is something tony romo has never done yeah and you know what jess i mean i think the blackjack analogy is the best but you're just you're playing for par because because par seems like it's going to win this tournament and um and you just want to win i get that and and that makes sense there's no need to go for the green on, on three you know if you can get there on four and still win i get that i've seen enough eli manning giants teams win super bowls to know that this team can sure as hell win one all right sean you've been very passionate um you've been very aggressive it's been fun to watch even though this is a podcast and i haven't watched any of it but um Closing arguments. Wrap this thing up. I'm Team Romo as well, so um, the weight of me is on your shoulders. Cowboys Nation, it's okay to be greedy when it comes to this football team. It's been a while since we've been able to say that they've legitimately won anything. The 2014 NFC East title is really the last thing we can hang our hats on, and that season leaves a bad taste in our mouth. With the Des Bryant catch at Lambeau Field ending the season, with nothing else but a divisional title that we should have won anyway. Now, through five wins in 2016, we can talk about that division title once again. But I want to talk about taking another step forward from that. Again, call me Grady, but I want to talk about this team going out and winning a Super Bowl right now. I want Super Bowl 51 to be won by our Dallas Cowboys, and I know you do too, no matter who's that quarterback. But the best way to get that Super Bowl has to be with Tony Romo, a guy who has given so much to this team, a guy that 
when I believe when you put him back out there on the field, he is going to exemplify everything about wanting to get to that Super Bowl. The drive, the pass, and the energy you're going to see from Tony Romo is going to have not only this offense, but this football team playing at an absurd level to get a feed off of the energy that Dak Prescott's already built up, the attitude that, okay, kid, you did your job. Now let's watch where you know we're going to take what's going to be your future team. And this 2016 Cowboys team led by Tony Romo can get to the Super Bowl with Romo playing at the higher level that I expect him to play at when he comes back. I want this team to go out and win multiple Super Bowls. I want Dak Prescott to go win a Super Bowl one day. Let's build another dynasty here in Dallas. The pieces are in place. The young talent is everywhere. I, don't, I want Dak Prescott to win a Super Bowl. He can have the 2017, 2018, whatever it's going to be. The 2016 Super Bowl to start this dynasty off belongs to Tony Romo because he's the best option to try to go get it. And this is a team that can absolutely, as Jess even said, 100% go get that Super Bowl. They're 5-1 because of... Their running game, their offense, they're five and one because of their running game. They're five and one because of the best offensive line of football. They're five and one because of the offensive weapons around Dak Prescott. They're five and one because of their head coach Jason Garrett. They're five and one because of Rod Marinelli's defense playing at the level that they've played at, which you can credit the offense to. But they have guys that are balling out on defense as well. They are a five and one football team that believes in each other right now, and they believe in the same plan that was told to them at the beginning of the season that it, it's going to be harmful that you, if you have to change it, that Tony Romo is still the leader of this team. That's the message that Dak Prescott's even given you. This is Tony's team, and he's going to come be the guy that this team needs. He's going to lead this team to great things, as is Dak Prescott. But we're talking about 2016 because I don't want this to be a wasted season. And by wasted season, I mean another copy of 2014. Uh-huh. Been there, been there, done that. Playoff losses suck. I sat in my you know, my room and cried when uh, when the Green Bay game was over. I don't want that anymore. We're five well, and one. We're going to go win the NFC East, and we're going to go to the playoffs in the first round by. And from there, we'll go into Super Bowl 51 because of number nine, Tony Romo. Well. I don't think that any of us would deny that the sweeter way of winning the Super Bowl would be with Tony Romo. And, and that's honestly, I think sure. the, the I, most, I will, I will sign on for that. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Th- there, that's, I'd love it. That's the truth is that the, this, and, and you know, in, in closing here, I, I think there's a lot of fascinating psychology and, and almost Shakespearean tragedy to, to this uh, whole thing, because what because of the journey Tony has been on since October twenty third, two thousand six, when he came in at halftime on Monday Night Football against the Giants, you know, he he's he's captured hearts, he's broken hearts, he's recaptured them, he's earned respect and he it's I can't think of another athlete in in my lifetime at least that you want it more for. I mean there's other guys you could you could certainly say Tony's teammate, Jason Witten, but I think the dream scenario for all of us to just feel peace is that Tony goes and wins one so that we can check that box off. You know, we can all go to sleep at night knowing Tony Romo won a Super Bowl because he deserves one. And then, all right, let's party Dak Prescott time. Um, It's obviously asking for a lot. Sean, you mentioned the word greed. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But this, this was a fun debate. And uh, I think it was fitting, considering the presidential debate is uh, later on Wednesday evening. This one was better, though, 
Even though that one has huge. Even though this one undisputably better. Even though that one hasn't happened yet, I know that this one was better. We did not have a Ken Bone. That was the only missing element, if I'm being totally honest. Mark um, Sanchez can be Ken Bone. That's fair. But um you both make convincing arguments and Jess as the moderator and as a person on Team Romo, I'm just gonna say you lost. Because, you know, I'm Team Romo. I, I um I, the whole but... thing is rigged. <laughs> the system is against me, and that's fine. We'll deal with it later. But, but look, <laughs> here's, here's the last thing I'll say, and I, I, I think you both would agree with this. We all are typically cut from the same cloth. Again, go read all of our content at InsideTheStar.com. Is the Cowboys are very obviously going to make a decision in the middle of this bye week as to what they want to do when Tony Romo can return. If that's November 6th in Cleveland, great. If it's another game, whatever. But they're going to make a decision. And a lot of people have, have speculated if Dak wins game X, he's the starter. Whether that was Green Bay, whether that's Philadelphia, I could not disagree with that logic more. Because if you're basing such an important decision off of a, one win, however it comes, then you're really playing with fire. If they're going to make the decision to stick with Dak Prescott, one I don't agree with, I want them to make it over time over this bye week to evaluate the film, evaluate everything that we discussed tonight, and say, you know what, that's our best chance of winning, and commit to it. I don't want them waffling back and forth because somebody won one game or somebody was impressive on a particular Sunday. I hope you both agree with that. Yes. Oh, yeah. I do, and I think that the other aspect of that is with Tony – you're trying to analyze, can he give us the best he's ever we've ever seen? And we've seen it. Mm-hmm. But with Dak, what can he give us that we haven't seen yet? And trying to balance between those two things is, I don't envy them that decision. Right. Well, this really is a game of blackjack. Um, you know, we made that up as the episode wore on. And I just think it's the best analogy in the history of words. Literally the human language. Um, English, though. The best language, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, so follow these dudes on Twitter. Jess, you are at Cowboys Addicts. You're good for a lot of hot takes, a lot of funny tweets, a lot of good times. And Sean, I'm you not are good for very much, but you Sean, can follow me. Sean is at Shore Sports NJ. I cannot encourage you to read their content more. Uh, both these guys, stand up dudes. Thank you both for coming on. Um, I'm pleased to call you not just colleagues, but, but good friends. And this was a good conversation between pals, three amigos. Absolutely. It. It's, it's always a lot of fun, guys. You know, I appreciate all the articles that you guys put out. I appreciate and the chance to uh, to coexist and do podcasts with this as well. So this is a lot of fun and I appreciate it, guys. All right. Well, yeah, that man. is it. That Love is you, it. Sean. <laughs> that is it for this bonus episode of the RJ Osha. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or SoundCloud. Follow all of us on Twitter and check out all of our work at InsideTheStar.com. As always, go Cowboys and peace out. Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down?